Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Well, if you've got your Bible, let's hold them high to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, praise God. Have you come to be changed this morning? Have you come to be challenged this morning? I believe you will not leave disappointed. Our title is Imitators of God. Imitators of God this morning. Our opening text is 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. And it states, For whatsoever is born of God. Have you been born of God? Well, then you overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our anxiety, worry, fears, frustrations... Shortcomings, faults, failures, and inadequacy. Oh, even our what? Our faith. There's, faith is a very important subject of the Bible, and really you can never overemphasize it. And there are some reasons I have listed here for you. Number one, it gives us victory over everything that is in this world. If you would have said it's your doubts, your fears, your worries, and unbelief, we'd all have it made, wouldn't it? Wouldn't we have it made? But he said it's your faith that overcomes the world. Number two, by faith, we understand that we access grace that will enable us to have victory in our marital relationships and also in our families. In other words, if it comes by grace through faith, then what are we supposed to do? Have you thought about this? Father, today I want to thank you for grace right now to have a very successful marriage. Can you imagine if every morning, every husband and every wife would say, I believe I received today grace that is necessary to help me to have the best marriage I could possibly have. I receive that right now. It's all received by faith. Amen. So think about that. In my family, I believe I receive your grace that will enable me to have victory in my family, with my family. Every single day, just receiving it and thanking him for it. Number three, we experience rest in our souls whenever we encounter uh, trials and tribulations in this life. Have you thought about that? Did you think you would get through today without a trial? Anybody think you would? You're going to be tried. We're going to be tried. We understand that. But are we experiencing rest in our souls? Because you see, faith is a place of rest. We do bring it to the table and we leave it on the table and say, I'm trusting in the Most High and I believe that you're acting on my behalf. And so I'm just going to rest in you. I've committed my situation to you. I'm trusting you. And Father, I believe you'll bring it to pass. I receive rest in my soul. Amen. Look at the next one. Power. We can get power every single day of our lives. For what reason? To run our race. Have you thought about that? I want to thank you today, Father, for power to run my race. Power for me to overcome sin. Power for me to resist 
the temptations of the devil, to resist the devil himself. I receive power today. Let's say that together. Heavenly Father, I believe I receive power to run my race, overcome sin, and resist the devil in Jesus' name. Now let's thank him for it. I thank you, dear Father God. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I believe I receive it. I believe I have it. Hallelujah. I'm running my race with faith and patience. Amen. You see, it all comes by faith. If we don't receive it by faith, every day that goes by that we don't receive it by faith, we're operating in our own strength. Why operate in our strength? We can operate in His. Number five, receive answers to prayers, healing, provision, forgiveness. All these things come by grace through faith. It's by faith we access the grace of God wherein we stand. And so I thank God that we can have answers to prayer. I thank God I can receive my healing. I thank God I can receive provision. Thank you for providing for my every need and, and also forgiveness. Andrew and I will go through daily before he goes off to school. I say, Andrew, what are the six P's? And one eye close and one eye open. And he'll say, God's presence, power, peace, promises, provision, and protection. I said, and you need all that every single day of your life. You need His presence, you need His power, you need His peace, His promises, His provision, protection. Every single day, start thanking Him for it. If you thank Him for it by faith, the grace will fall upon you. It will manifest in your life. And then finally, and this is no way exhausting the importance of faith. By faith, we receive the Spirit. If you haven't received the Spirit, it's a matter of faith. It's by faith. We receive the Spirit. It's by faith. We work miracles. Uh, the Apostle Paul said it's not through the works of the law, but by faith. We receive the Spirit by faith. We please God. We work miracles. And so we see by these statements the importance of faith. Well, as important as faith is, it doesn't stand alone. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, and we'll see it here. The text says, For in Jesus Christ, are you in Jesus Christ? Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. That means it doesn't matter if you came being a Jew or a Gentile. But what matters is faith which worketh by love. So if faith is important, how important is love? And the word there for love is agape, the divine love of God, which we will get into it right now. But it's not just natural human love. It is the divine love of God. So Love is the environment in which faith works. You could say that love is the perfect walk of faith. And everything that Jesus did, all that we see him doing in the Gospels, all the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the demonstrations of God's mighty power, was an operation of faith working by love. He was moved with what? Compassion to do everything that he did. And if, if that's not the motivating force behind our using our faith, our faith is not going to be as effective as it needs to be. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, first three verses. Here we have the Apostle Paul talking about the importance of love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, which is divine love, agape, notice, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, I'm making a lot of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains, notice, and have not what? Charity, love, agape. I am what? I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, oh my, and have not what? Charity or love, agape love, it profits me nothing. So in summation, you can say that Paul was saying this, without love, 
I am nothing, making a lot of noise to no profit. Including if he laid down his body to be burned. If love was not the motivation behind it. See, God's divine love is to be the controlling motive of our lives. And everything that we do out here should be motivated by love in here. Even praying for people. We have compassion toward people. We have a desire for people to receive the things of God. If it means change, then praise God they receive change in their lives. But whatever it might be, it must be motivated by love. All that we do. Even in our giving like we did here today. Look at the Romans chapter 13. We're indebted not to the law. See, if you come and you were a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter, he said. And even though the Jews felt as though they had to continue living by the law, he's trying to set the record straight and say, look, Jesus fulfilled the law. There's a new commandment in the new covenant, and it's not the commandment of keeping the law, but the law of love. And we'll see that. Owe no man anything. Notice we are indebted to something. We owe it to God, and we owe it to our brothers and sisters and the world. But to do what? Love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Notice this revelation. See, we're not under the Ten Commandments. We're under the law of love. But the law of love, if kept, will fulfill the Ten Commandments. Can you see how that works? Now notice what he said. Thou shalt, he starts with this. Not honoring your parents, but he starts with, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and thou shalt not covet. He gives those five commandments and he reveals them and says, And if there's any other commandment, notice this, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love works no will to his neighbor, therefore love is the what? The fulfilling of the law. So we're under a, a divine mandate to love people the way we've been loved by God, and if we will do that, we will fulfill the entirety of the law. So thank God that we have a way that we can fulfill the law. And how is that? By just loving as he loved us. Now Paul emphasized these two powerful forces always in his writings. Look in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1. You will notice he talked about faith and love working together. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith... In the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Notice how he points out those two powerful forces. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Do we really have that genuine love for one another that we should? Well, we need to. If we want our faith to work, we need to. Then look at chapter 3. Something else he stated in this prayer that he prays for the church at Ephesus. He says, I pray that Christ would dwell in your heart. How? By keeping the law? No, but by faith. By faith. What does that mean? Faith is believing something from the heart and saying it with the mouth. That's the really biblical definition of faith. I believe in my heart that Jesus lives in me. Jesus, you're in me right now. Jesus, I belong to you. You're in me. Your spirit's in me. Your love is in me. Your life is in me. Your nature is in me. That Christ is dwelling in our hearts by faith. I believe that. In other words, notice this, that you being rooted and grounded in selfishness, unforgiveness, bitterness, unbelief, anxiety, worry, fear, fretting. No, but rooted and grounded in divine love. In other words, that's our root system. 
You know, the Bible talks about the root of bitterness can spring up and do what? Defile someone. So we don't want to be rooted in bitterness. We don't want to be rooted in unforgiveness. We don't want to be rooted in anxiety or fear or worry, do we? And you know what? All those emotions and feelings are very easy to be rooted in. Every single day, all that we hear, all that we see, all that's going on around us, it's very easy for us to be rooted and grounded in bitterness when we're offended by people. You know what I mean? Or, or let's say rooted or grounded in even something like lust because you see of all that what's going on around us. We won't even go what's going on around us in that department. It's unimaginable. It's unbelievable. But you know what? It's almost as if we don't realize there's a devil out there. But there is a devil out there. Is there not? And we know he doesn't like any of us. And he knows our weaknesses. Right? He knows how to offend us. He knows how to tempt us. He knows how to entice us. He knows how to draw us away from spiritual things by emphasizing what? Physical things, emotional things. He knows that. And he's going to do it. See, it's up to us to say, I am rooted and grounded in the love of Almighty God. I choose to seek my roots in the love of God. And I'm going to love the same way he loved me. Look in chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians in verses 1 and 2. This might be the beginning of a new series. I'm not sure yet, but we'll see. Therefore, this is from the English Standard Version. Therefore, being imitators, imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Notice Paul says, after he makes a lot of statements about what it means to grow in the Lord, he says, look, you've been called, I've been called, we've been called to imitate God. Imitate. It means to mimic. It means to copy. It means to impersonate. We've been called to mimic, copy, or impersonate God. Wow. What a tall order and what a mandate. How? He says, by walking in love. And if we'll walk in love, we'll imitate God. Do you know, I went online to find this to be true. Elvis has a lot of impersonators. Mm-hmm. Graceland calls them tr tribute artists. They're out there. And can you imagine that your whole life, and people make a living by doing this, and then they, their whole life, what they do is they listen to, they watch, they rehearse every movement, every, let's say, facial expression, every voice inflection. Go online, you can see this for yourself. They have contests to see who does the best impersonation of Elvis. The hours of dedication and consecration to him. The hours that are so annoying to his wife. Can you imagine me walking through my house, sneezing, and my wife says, "Bless, you're blessed, honey. And I say, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 
and I do a, a, I fix the light and she says, honey, good job. And I say, thank you. Thank you very much. And I try to raise up my lip like that and give her whatever Elvis does. I don't know what else he does, but I, I can imagine her just picking up something. <laughs> I can't imagine that for a moment, let alone, can you imagine all day long? All you're doing is watching every move he makes. You're listening to every word he says. You're trying to get your voice like his. You're trying to get the movement like his, the facial expression, and, and, and so on. And so every move and all that, voice inflections and all that. I can't even begin to imagine the dedication, the time, the commitment, the hours that it takes to begin to impersonate someone else. Remember the guy Rich Little? Was it Rich Little was his name? He's the impersonator. It said that he can impersonate 200 individuals. Hard to imagine, isn't it? But I think about his wife. Can you imagine the hours he spends in trying to do this over and over and over and over again until finally he gets it right? And of course he runs it by her and says, yeah, I'm sure she's ready to just lose it. Look, it's been said that uh, imitation or imitating somebody else is like, they say the highest compliment that you could ever pay someone that I want to be like you, look like you, talk like you, act like you, etc., and I don't know how true that might be when it comes to characters like an Elvis Presley or whoever. But you know what? I thought about it. Could it be that impersonating God is the highest form of worship we can offer? Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself let him take up his cross and let him follow mimic copy impersonate me whoa that's what that word follow means let him copy let him mimic let him impersonate me wow what are you saying, Lord? What I'm saying is, I want you, instead of playing Elvis recordings and videos and all that, I want you to pick up your Bible, and I want you to begin to see me. And I want you to look closely at my life. I want you to listen closely to my words. I want you to meditate on my thoughts. And I want you to emulate my life. A true disciple will sit at the feet of his master. He will look into his eyes. He will watch his every expression. He will listen to his every word. With a burning, yearning desire to so impersonate him that he begins to walk and conduct himself in the same manner, the same mannerisms as Jesus. Would that be wonderful if that was the desire of every person? Well, we've got to answer some questions. How can it be possible for those of us who are imperfect to imitate someone who's so perfect? How is it possible for you and for me who commit sin, admit it, Anybody here ever sinned since you've been saved? Anyone who hasn't, come on up here and start preaching. 
we've all sinned. How can we mimic, imitate, copy, impersonate someone who's sinless when we obviously sin? Well, the answer is we can't in our own strength. We can't by our own performance. We can't in our own ability. But if we would yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and believe the Word of God and continue to look at the finished work of Christ and by faith acknowledge who we are in Him instead of allowing the devil tell us who we aren't in Him. If we'll recognize we are His masterpiece, we are His workmanship, we are His new creation. We are no longer what we used to be. We are no longer sinners. We've been saved by grace. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. And we are new creations. We are new species that never before existed. And when we look into the mirror in the morning, I don't see flesh. I don't see self. I see the life the love, the power, the glory that's in me of the resurrected Son of the living God. And I yield myself to the Holy Ghost. And I say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to look at your speech today. I'm going to look at your conduct today, your character, your behavior. I am going to listen to your spirit as to what he wants me to do for you today. And I'm asking this one thing. Change me from glory to glory to look more, act more, talk more, be more like my Savior. Hallelujah. Jesus, my Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. This is my heart's desire. And we all, this is from the English Standard Version as well. We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Oh, this is what Christianity is all about right here. I want to be changed, Lord. You see, if we don't desire it, if we don't want it, it's not going to happen. You notice how poorly I did that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because I've never practiced it. I've never listened to it. I've never did anything to adapt to it or to change my mannerisms or facial expressions or even my vocal inflections. I just know that's what he said. But if I was like these guys that make their living doing that, it'd be a different ballgame, wouldn't it? And you see, that's what it's all about with Christianity. It's not about, did you go to church today? It's not about that. Are you looking more like Jesus today? Are you sounding more like Jesus today? Are you committed to being transformed into Jesus every single day? See, he's already there on the inside. But we want to get him to the outside. Can you say amen? That's what our longing desire is. So how do we do that? How do we get him from the inside to the outside? Well, look at the three things that Paul emphasized in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. and um, Actually, it's from 1 all the way through 21. Which we're going to look at these three right here. Three things he emphasized. Number one, walking in love. Okay, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Let's read those again. English Standard Version. 
Therefore, being imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Notice this, walk in love. We're to walk in love. Conduct ourselves in a way that demonstrates the love of God. As Christ loved us. Now notice this. He raises the standard. He raises the bar. He doesn't say, love your neighbor as yourself anymore. He said, no, you love as I have loved you. There's a new benchmark. It's now as I have loved you. See, they couldn't say that before. It was just love as you love yourself. And that's really a good standard in itself. But here he says, I want you to love them the same way you saw me love you. And gave myself up for you as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's number one way that we can do what? Impersonate Jesus. But number two, walk in the light. Ephesians, once again, chapter 5. And look what it says in verse 8. For at one time, you were darkness. That's what we were. Aren't you glad you're no longer what you were? But now, you are light in the Lord. Now remember, he's saying imitate him. How? By walking in love. Now walk as children of light. And that needs to be explored. Okay, what is light and what is darkness? Two lifestyles are depicted here. The lifestyle of light and the lifestyle of the kingdom of darkness. And remember this? In Psalm 119, where the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I'm to walk in the light. You're to walk in the light. And we need to explore that. What does he mean by walking in the light? Not in the darkness that we once had before we got saved. We need to have a new revelation of what the light stands for. That's walking in the light. And that comes to the word. But then number three, walk circumspectly. Walk. Now see, this means cautiously with daily watchfulness giving attention why to guard yourself to protect yourself from anything that could be surprising to us or damaging or dangerous in our lives so we're to walk in love we're to walk in the light and we're to walk circumspectly and that word is used also in the book of Exodus chapter 23 and verse 13 look at what it says I'm going to give you two translations the King James Version and then also uh, the English Standard Version let's read that one first be not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is do you have the Exodus 23 and verse 13 there it is and in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect, cautious, be wise. Give attention daily to protect yourself from the dangers that exist out there in the world. Okay? Make no mention of the name of other gods. But notice, this is just the King James. Neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. But look at the English Standard Version. Pay attention. To all that I have said, it means to give attention to anything that could be dangerous, anything that can take away from your walk with the Lord. Make no mention of the names of other gods, lest it be heard on your lips, or need to let it be heard on your lips. So he is saying, walk circumspectly, walk cautiously. Why? Because every single day there is an enemy out there setting traps 
for each and every one of our lives. If he cannot get to you directly, he will try to get you through your children. If he can't get you through your children, he'll try to get you through your grandchildren. If he can't get you through your grandchildren, he'll get through you, to you through your neighbor. If he can't get you through the neighbor, he's going to look for somebody else to get to you. Why? Because he does not want you, or he doesn't want me impersonating Jesus. He doesn't want us to live lives that will honor and glorify the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so here he's saying, walk circumspectly, cautiously, make sure you give attention daily uh, and watch daily because there's an enemy out there and he's got certain wild strategies, plans, plan plotted out against us so that he can bring us all down individually, in our marriage, in our family, in our church, in our state, in our nation, in the world. He has no good intentions whatsoever, but they're all bad intentions. To be honest with you, it is an easy thing to impersonate the kingdom of darkness. Our flesh is highly educated when it comes to impersonating the works of darkness. Did you know that? It's easy to gossip. It's easy to lie. It's easy to cheat. It's easy to do all those things because the flesh is in harmony with those things. But when it comes to saying, I'm making my decision to walk in the light. I'm living for God. You will have all the powers of darkness just coming against you to see to it that you don't succeed. Okay, let's move on. Walking in love. Once again, in Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. That word love is divine love. Walk in love as God is love. God doesn't have love. God is love. This is the word agape. And the word agape is a Greek word that really means love based on principle and decision, not feelings and emotions. There are four different Greek words for love. You've probably heard me say them before. In case there's someone here who hasn't, eros is erotic. We get the word erotic from that. That's the lower base kind of love. That means a physical love, a physical attraction, a sexual kind of love and all that. And really, that is part of the foundational blocks for relationships. Only one time, when I was doing premarital counseling, and I said to the couple, you're attracted to one another, right? He said yes, and she said no. And I thought, I've got my work cut out for me today. I said, what? She said, no, but he's a good Christian man. He's a good Christian man. I'm not attracted to him at all, but he's a good Christian man, so I'm just going to marry him for that reason. They have since been divorced, just to let you know that. I was just blown away. Really? Eros. Okay? A physical attraction. Walk in love. Agape love. Not Eros. Eros is a part of it. If Eros was enough to hold a marriage together, guess what? Hollywood would have it made. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't work. Okay. But then there's storge. Storge is compatibility. It means you have to make yourself compatible to one another. So when you get married, you may have some incompatibilities just because of the fact that you're a man and she's a woman. Gender differences. You realize that. There are gender differences by design. Men are left brain oriented and functional. Women are right brain, brain functional. So men have a left brain that they use. Women have a right brain that they use. We all have half a brain. And then when we get married... We got a whole brain, but we don't know how to use it. Walmart used to sell a book, Everything That Men Know About Women. $1.95, cheap book. You can pick it right up off the counter. Beautiful cover on the front. Open it up. There's not one word in from beginning. 175 pages, not one word in it. Just blank, 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 blank. All 
the way through from beginning to the end. And I went, amen, brother, you're right. <laughs> but you see, that was by design to make us dependent on each other. We need each other. We need to think, you know, as a whole person. Men, they're goal-oriented. They're going to take a trip, and they're going to get there. And when Siri says you'll be there at 9.59, you go, huh, I got you beat. <laughs> Men say, I'll be there at 9.50. Maybe 9.45. Who knows? I'm going to be there. Remember, I said it's a vacation. And what does she say? Let's stop and look at the outlets. He goes, what? Are you kidding me? And the kids are back to saying, I need to use the restroom, Dad. He goes, next exit. Next exit comes. Whoosh. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. He didn't forget. He wants to be there at 945. He's goal-oriented. He can't wait to get there and break series record. So let her know that he's the master, not her. make ourselves compatible with one another. And sometimes that takes a lot of work. Then you've got phileo, phileo love. Isn't that wonderful? We could call that just good old puppy love. I love her so much that I bought her, uh, let's say I bought her a blouse for her birthday. And she reciprocated and she bought me a shirt for mine. Christmas time comes around and she bought me this little gift, this little wonderful item. And I just reciprocated and bought her one back. And she said, oh, you look so nice today, honey. And I said, you look so much nicer, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And then one day, one day, all of a sudden, all that reciprocating. You see, it's responsive. This is based on feelings and emotions. One day, she gets up and says, who are you looking at? And I say, Nothing. I don't do that. I'm just kidding. It's just an example. <laughs> I'm getting myself into some hot water. You, you, my point is it's responsive. Phileo love is responsive. As long as you're doing scratching my back, I'll scratch yours. As long as you're complimenting me, I'll compliment you. But you see, the moment you say something nasty, they'll say something nasty back. Do you see that point? So love is wonderful if it's reciprocating wonderful things. But you see, that's the highest form of human love. Holler at me, I'll holler back at you. But agape love goes all the way to the high, highest of heavens. God so loved the world is the word agape. He so loved the world means he was not responding to our we love you, Lord. Send us a Savior. Send us a Redeemer. We want to serve you with our life. Even the Israelites couldn't do that. They couldn't even walk with God for two minutes and they backslide. Did they not? We know that. No matter how much He brought them out and how much He got them in, they always got themselves into trouble because of this flesh nature that we have on the outside, this flesh that we live in. You know, and so what happens is, if we don't understand agape love and train ourselves and school ourselves with regard to agape love, then guess what? We're going to fall back on phileo love, which means we're going to respond to whatever people's doing to us. And when you get into a marital relationship, it goes from the puppy love to the now mm, cats and dogs just kind of, you know, warring with each other and all that. 
This love, uh, divine love, is based on principle and decision. I'm choosing to love you for the rest of your life, no matter what. I'm not responding to feelings and emotions. I'm only going to love you. You realize when I do marriage ceremonies and I go in premarital counseling, I let them know in advance, you're entering into a blood covenant relationship. And when you do that, I want you to know this right now, you're forfeiting your right to ever say, I don't love you anymore. You can't say that anymore because your feelings have nothing to do with it. You made a decision. You sealed it with blood. Make it work out. Period. Amen. And the world needs to hear that today. So divine love is not based on feelings and emotions. So you may say down the road, I don't feel like it, but you entered a blood covenant relationship. And you cannot change just because you feel like you want to change. I know that's strong, but we need to hear that today in our society. Young people, you need to know that today when you get married. It isn't, I'm trying this out for a little bit, and when I get tired and she burns the toast, I'm going to find me someone else. Oh, I better not. I better just move on. It's just, it's just. All right, let's, let's quickly wrap this up. All right. Love, let's look at what love looks like. Divine love is motivated, once again, it's unconditional, but it's motivated by decision and principle. Here, John 3, 16. God the Father was motivated by love to send His Son to die for you and me. And the Bible tells us that we were still sinners at that time. We disrespected God. We're not walking with God. Had no desire for God. And yet he sent his only begotten son. Not because once again that we were being so kind to him. But because he made a decision. Look when man fell from the very beginning. He made a decision to rebel against God. We cannot begin to fathom what that did to the heart of God. All we know is this, when he made that decision to commit the sin of high treason, it was so devastating. It reached the very heavens. It destroyed everything that God wanted to have happen on earth. Man hooks up with the devil rather than with the glory of Almighty God. He forfeits his glory, the glory of the Father. And what does he receive? He's robed in darkness, unrighteousness, sin, iniquity, just like the devil. Can you imagine the effect that had upon the heart of the Father God when that took place? So if God was operating by the law of phileo love, he would have said, hmm, you did that to me? Adam, because of what you did, the ground's cursed. Eve, because of what you did, you're cursed in childbearing, and the devil, what you did... I'm telling you, you have no idea what you're going to experience for the rest of your eternity. He could have just said, I'm turning my back on all of you. You've all acted this out against me. You all betrayed me. You all committed high treason. I'm going to move over here and I'm going to give myself another family based on someone who will love me back. But no, the Bible says that even though man sinned and fell short of the glory of God, even though man robed himself in unrighteousness and the filth of the devil and his bunch, he said, I still love you so much. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to send my son to take your place. He's going to die for you. Can you see that? That's divine love. That's divine love. Look at the next thing. Jesus demonstrated this kind of love in John 15, 13 when he spoke these words. 
Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down forfeit, give up his life for his friends. Was he responding to the love of man? Guess what? He preached a sermon. We told you last week. He preached a sermon. Or did I say it Wednesday? I don't remember. remember, Whatever I said it. But Jesus said, he preached in John chapter 6, he preached a message. He had all these followers. And when he got done, he probably had 5,000 followers at that time, just clamoring to hear his words. And when he said, I am the bread of life, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Guess what? They all left. He had 12 left. Wow, that would be some kind of a record. They all walked out the door. We can't hear what you're saying. Eat your flesh, drink your blood. But he went on to say, the words I speak are spirit and their life. I'm not talking carnivorous. I'm not talking about you literally eating my flesh, drink my blood. I'm spiritualizing it and I'm showing you as manna came down from heaven, I came down. I am the bread of life and I have come to rescue you. I've come to lay down my life for you. i come to sacrifice for you. Not because you want me, not because you love me, but because I love you. And my compassion for you will reach out to you no matter what you're doing, what you're going through, no matter how devious you are, how terrible you act, I love you and I will not stop loving you until the day you leave your body and go somewhere. Wow. That's the love of God. Can you imagine that? Well then we've been called upon. By him to do what? Emulate his life. Impersonate him. Look at the next one. Look at John chapter 13 verse 34. And this is the commandment. We've been commanded. A new commandment I give you. That you love one another. When they're loving you back. Or when they're loving you first. You love one another with this phileo love or or this erotic love or this, you know, compatibility kind of love. We get along and all that. Is that what he said? No. You love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another Oh, now we're talking about emulating. We're talking about impersonating. We're talking about, I'm going to look at this. Wow. Are you serious, Lord? You want me to lay down my life? Yeah, look at 1 John, what is it? Uh, 4, 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought, which means owe it to Him, to love one another. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Look at 1 John, um, was it? 3.16, this is John 3.16, this is 1 John 3.16. By this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought. The word ought, once again, means owe it to him, to lay down our lives for the brothers. Boy, that's more involved than saying, thank you, thank you very much. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. See, we've been called to love as he loved us. And listen to this. We've been called to walk even as he walked. Look at 1 John 2 and verse 6. We've been called, mandated. Whosoever says he abides in him. Do you abide in him? What's the word ought mean? We owe it to him. Notice this in the Amplified. As a personal debt. We owe it to him as a personal debt. To walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he walked and conducted himself. Man, if that doesn't make you go, wow, wow, my, really? 
That's the order. Faith works by what? Love. So faith works by love. So if I want my faith to work, I have to love as he loved me. And walk in that realm of the miraculous. And let's close it with the first Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8. This is in the Amplified Bible. Have we studied this out for ourselves so that we can be like that Elvis impersonator that says, let's run that back. Love endures long. It should say agape endures long and is patient and kind. How patient am I? How kind am I? Love is never envious. It never boils over with jealousy. Am I rooted in love or jealousy? Am I rooted in pride, always boasting about myself? Or do I boast about Him? See, it's not boastful or vainglorious. It doesn't display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly. It doesn't act unbecomingly. This love in us doesn't allow us to insist on our own rights or ways. It's not self-seeking, touchy, fretful, resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice or unrighteousness. It rejoices when right and truth prevail. It up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to be the best about every person. It's hopes are failures under every circumstance of life. It endures everything without weakening. It never fails, fed out, becomes obsolete, never comes to an end. It is the love of God. It's the love of God. It believes the best about every person. Wow. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Wow. That's what love looks like. That's what God looks like. That's the standard that he set for all of us. And beloved, if we will take it to heart and do what he said to do, we'll live in the realm of divine love. And praise God, we will grow and develop. And ask yourself the young question. Come on up here, praise him. Ask yourself the question. Have I even committed myself to being as astute as someone like an Elvis impersonator, said, let me just see how much you really love me, Lord. Wow. Can we even calculate that? Can we comprehend it? If we did, it would change our behavior, our conduct, our speech, our character. You know what? Maybe you have something against me, but I don't have anything against you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll conclude with this here quick, quick testimony. I went through a difficult time in my life, very difficult one, at one point. And as a result, some people um, left the church and decided that they couldn't sit under somebody that's, that had a, a problem. <laughs> then you better not go to church. Can you say amen? Because it doesn't matter if you stand behind that pulpit or up there singing or playing an instrument or sit out there in a pew. You all have challenges. We all have challenges. And I said, well, you know, the scriptures teach this. And I was writing what the scriptures taught. And I said, but the scriptures teach this. Why are you holding that against me when I did exactly what the scriptures said? I said, well, I just, those are my convictions. That's how I feel like I never sit under your ministry anymore. And just really, really ream me out, rake me over the coals. I'm on the phone. And I said, well, sister, I want you to know something. You may feel that way about me, but I want you to know how I feel about you. I love you. I care about you. And I want God's best for you. And I will always feel that way about you, no matter what you think about me. Three years later, I'm walking into the medical center to go see someone. I hear some, uh, Pastor Bill. And that's before they remodeled it and they just had these little cubicles with the curtains that were there. And I looked in the room and she said, come here. Sure. I walked into the room. She said, three years ago, I was so mean to you. And what I said was wrong. 
Back then I felt that way because I thought I was right. But I've come to know that I was wrong. I just want you to forgive me. Please forgive me for holding this against you when you did nothing wrong. I said, sister, I never considered anything but what I told you. I would love you and always love you no matter how you felt about me. It doesn't matter. It may take three years. It may take a while. But listen to the last statements that Paul made. Love never fails. Can you say that with me? Love never fails. Say it this way. Agape never fails. Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get to a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.